Okay, welcome to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name's Dusty Slay, and she's... Debbie Downer. All right. Hannah's a bit down. We've uh, recorded... This is our third time recording this podcast. Yeah, exactly. This is the third time we've recorded this podcast in one day. The first time we got a little out of control and we thought, you know what, we don't want to put that stuff out on the air. The first time we got into a domestic. We got, yeah, I mean, not abuse, but a domestic disturbance. Emotional abuse. Emotion. She did emotionally abuse me. That's how our fights go. It really ends up with Dusty being abused. And then, uh, so then we tried a second time and then the recording, something was wrong with our equipment. So the recording just, that was a. The perfect podcast. That would have been the podcast that would have made us famous. Yeah, that podcast was good. We had some real philosophical anecdotes and some really fun, lively stories. I was in a good mood. I think even on that last podcast, I said, I love you, Dusty. Yeah. And now it's about seven hours later. We've been hanging out with a friend all day. My brother-in-law, Rob. I have exhausted all of my charm throughout the day. Well... The thing about it is that I have to, this is a Monday we're recording this and I have to leave tomorrow to go do shows. We're going to, this will come out on a Wednesday, but, uh, tomorrow I have to go to Georgetown university and do some comedy, not to no Georgetown college, not to be confused with Georgetown university. And then thank you so much for that clarification. Yeah, It's in Kentucky. I'm sure it's still a fantastic university, but I just feel like that I told my friend I was going to do comedy in Georgetown, and he was like, whoa, the university up in so-and-so place? And I was like, oh, no, I don't I don't think it's that. So it's not that one. Nevertheless, it's still a great gig. You're going to Kentucky tomorrow. Going to Kentucky. And then Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, I'll be in uh, Tuscaloosa uh, doing some comedy. That's in Alabama. Alabama. And then over not the, everybody is familiar with the oh, city named Tuscaloosa. Everybody knows Tuscaloosa. I don't think that's Roll true. Tide. I could guarantee you I would not have known what Tuscaloosa was until uh, I met you. Well. I'm just saying. Tuscaloosa, Alabama. You're assuming because you're from Alabama that everybody knows what, Tus- everybody what state knows. or territory Tuscaloosa's in. And they don't. And I'm just saying that. Well, you know, it's, it's in Alabama. It is. See, now that I... God, I just, uh, I even hate my own self in this podcast. People are listening to this and are like, what a wretched wife. Why are you even doing this podcast with her? Take her out of the podcast. And then I'm going to go from... We want Dusty. From Tus- we want Dusty. From Tuscaloosa, I'm going to go to Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. What state's that in? Georgia? Georgia. Okay. And then uh, I'm going to do the Laughing Skull Festival. All those dates will be on my calendar at DustySlay.com. If you want to come check out any of those shows, because uh, it's going to be a good time. Uh, me and Hannah, we just did a very tiring trip. We we left on a, a Thursday morning. We left on a Friday morning. I had a show on Thursday with Brad Paisley at Zany's. It was great. I uh, had a good time hanging out with Brad Paisley. Uh, he's a country singer that I enjoy a lot. Got a lot of hits, and it was very. It was very. Very fun for me to walk in and uh, Brad Paisley shake my hand and tell me that he was a big fan of mine. Uh, And then we had a good show. So I didn't get to sleep that night till about midnight. And then we woke up at 4.45 and drove all the way to Jacksonville, Florida and did a show at Maggiano's Little Italy, uh, which we thought would be an awful show, to be honest. Not because of the place. Uh, just because of some things that happened along the way that made me think that people weren't going to be there. For one thing, the tickets were very expensive. Well, for for the first thing, it was dinner 
and a show, mm. which is always a little bit of a red flag. Dinner and a show involved in one ticket price. Yeah. So they, they spent a lot of money to see the show. Yeah. So I didn't think there'd be a lot of people there. But that turned out to be a good amount of people for the room. Yeah. But there were children there were at the ch- show. Yep. So a couple of 11-year-old kids. I assume they were 11. Mm-hmm. They were older. They, they were uh, weak looking for their age. They were weak looking. I, I thought so too. I was some weak looking kids right there. Yeah. No, nah, they weren't weak looking. They were fine. I think one of them really refused to make eye contact with me the whole time. I don't know if it was just because I was a human woman or what that what that situation was. But Maybe it was your I intimidating noted, stage presence. Well, I mean, probably, but I just noticed that he seemed to key up when you went up on stage. So I don't know. Maybe it's a... I got long hair and a hat and, and, and glasses. He probably just was excited. He was like, yeah. that, do- that dude doesn't look like my dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not beefing on that kid. Yeah. And um, who knows? Maybe I'm just looking for things to, to, to be upset. Well, about. it's weird because it was a PG-13 show, so we we knew we had to keep it clean, and that's not a big deal. But but it's different when there are actually 13 year old kids in the audience because then I'm like. I don't want that kid riding home with his mom being like, Mom, what's a dusty hymen? You know what I mean? And, uh, and the mom be like, I actually don't know. <laughs> right. And I uh, <laughs> only graduated to 10th grade. And uh, so, but we had a good time. It's a great show. They gave us a bunch of food. And then we hung out with my buddy Chris Buck down there. We actually, we had an opener uh, who worked at the restaurant. And he had a hard time, but he helped us out tremendously. By by biting that bullet at the beginning of the show, so thank you. But then Chris Buck, we went to Aromas mm-hmm. Cigar Bar, had a couple of cigars, hot joint. Um, the um, uh, they were charging a cover to get in there. We didn't pay because we just bought a cigar and sat outside, and uh, it was a great time. Hannah had a, a beer, and uh, and we talked about comedy. Yeah, yeah, it was it was actually a fun trip. You and I didn't get into any fights. No, we had a romantic time. We did, um, but the but the the tough part is the invisible exhaustion that travel places on one's soul, and that I definitely still feel like I'm recovering from 20 hours in the car. Yeah, we drove down. Days. It was a nine-hour drive, which we lost an hour immediately going into Eastern time. But so it made it, you know, technically 10 hours, but then also the drive time, it extends. It starts off at a nine hour and 15 minute uh, trip. And then you stop for 10 minutes at the gas station, stop for 10 minutes here. Then you get some food before you know it, it's a long trip. So we did that and then got in the car the very next day and drove right back. Yeah. We were going to go to Savannah, but it was raining. It's we raining. were going to have a romantic couples day in Savannah. Yeah. But it was it was raining, and we're like, well, what's the point of going to Savannah if it's going to be rain all right. day? Right. So, Can't walk around outside in the rain. So we drove home, which was definitely the right thing to do. And I actually had a great day yesterday because I just laid in bed and, write, and read 1984, the yeah. book 1984. Maybe so, that's why my mood's a little weird. Just yeah, I think so. Of, You're, uh, that's not that's not really the cheer you up kind of yeah, book. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a novel about a dystopian future. Well, at the time, well, now it's the past because it was 1984, which is right. also the year I'm born in. But uh, at the time, it was written in 1950. It was about the dystopian future. Um, but several parallels that I connect in today's society and internet technology and uh, media control and thought police, very, a lot of connections. That was actually the hard thing about that book for me right now. I'm almost done it. I've, I've read it before, but I'm rereading it now. 
hard thing. And I feel like probably everybody that reads 1984, I just want to say this. I feel like the thing that about 1984, anybody that reads it now, it's like the whole time you're reading it, you're just trying to think about how it is like a prophetic um, analogy of like today's world or maybe even the future world. So the whole time you're reading, you're trying to be like, is this like Instagram? Is this like cell phones? Like you're just kind of asking, I'm just asking myself the whole time, like, oh yeah, that's... And and the answer is yes. Yes, it is like those things. Well, I just wish, like I bet you could have read... 1984 in a pure sense in say the the 50s when it first came out because you you're still just living in the time that it was written and right. so you're, it's more of just like a sci-fi novel or something oh, right then then it's and then now it's just become this like cultural touchstone right like where yeah. people like it's a great know, book people call things like orwellian now it's a great book i recommend it i I, it's so good, in fact, that I almost read the whole book. Yeah, that's a big one for you. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it took me a while, but I got to a place and I said, I'm pretty comfortable where I'm at with this book. I'm going to just go ahead and close it. I'm going to make my own predictions for how it ends. Mm-hmm. I find that's better. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I find it's better just to read a couple of chapters and then go, you know what? I feel like I got a pretty good gist of this. Mm-hmm. That's how I like to roll with it. Because who has time to read a whole book? I mean, how will I fit in YouTube videos if I'm reading all day? Well, that's what my experience has been with most men that have been in my life. They don't, well, actually excluding my brother, but most guys since I've been dating and then like when I'm in my 20s, no guys read books anymore. They just read articles on the internet. Who has time for articles? I'm a head, strictly a headline guy. Yeah. (laughs) I'm strictly head. I, I get my whole news from opinion pieces, uh, headlines but like most of the people that you talk to like these days like when you're just in conversation with people they'll like share an opinion and i'm like i'm pretty sure he read that in vox or something mm-hmm. like he read that in salon yeah like that wasn't your opinion dude that was someone else's who has like a phd in i read physiology or something. i read that people with foul mouths scientifically proven that people with foul mouths are smarter so i cussed the rest of the day yeah but who who said that and what statistic did they use? I mean, people throw out stats like stats are have no way of being defamed or unproven. People people can control their statistics. They can do control groups to 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 present statistics. I mean, I don't understand I don't even, what you mean. It was just a head, I'm, I'm saying I just read like a headline. Say that. you say one out of ten people is gay. Is that true? Wow, the, that was a headline yeah. that I now believe. Yeah, they say like one out of careful. Ten. With headlines around me. Okay, maybe gay isn't right because I think they actually have like they can they can do that. But say they say like one out of ten people is an introvert. But it's like maybe you're only talking to people in a library. The last headline. But I, like if they only talk to people in a library and they're like one out of ten people is an introvert. It's like well you're talking to a bunch of book readers. Of course they're going to be introverts. Who was the nine people in the library that weren't introverts? Or let's say that's you, what I want. Let's know. even just say Family Feud. Like who are they interviewing? Have you ever been around? Have you ever been canvassed for a family feud? No, but I wish that I was. I'm going to be honest. I don't even think they're canvassing people. I think they're just making it up. I'd, and then they have a team of writers. I'd like to be. I'm a family feud truther. Like, I, I think that it's, it's just their team of writers writing those things. Maybe the team of writers are the teams. Exactly. And they just, they write their episode and then the money just goes back to the show. Yeah. Maybe that, they'd never drive that Ford Fusion off the lot. Who wants to? That all those cars look ugly. The Ford Fusion is not a good looking car. It's not. I mean, I'd drive it because I need a new car. I'd drive it, but 
I'm not. I, mean, se- I drive it too, but I mean, for a game show car, right? I'm not seeking out the pulling Ford out field. with I'm a big like, clunky old Ford that's going to look gross in a year. It will. You know what's yeah. that? A Ford Fusion? Oh shit! Yeah, he got that Fusion. Yes, yeah, it's got Fusion power. Yeah. Yeah, you just because you have a scientific name doesn't impress me. Growing up uh, watching NASCAR, they used to have, you know, they had Chevy, Pontiac, Ford. Those were the race cars. There was some others, I'm sure. But Ford, they would always have names. They would be like found on road dead, you know, or first on race day, Ford, acronym, mm. fix or repair daily. You Southerners just ate that shit up. You remember eh? that one? Chevrolet. No, I don't. Chevrolet was too long. It was too long for an acronym. Yeah. Anyways. You ever hear BMW, black man working? That's what BMW stands for. No. What? Yeah. Where did these come from? Well, I saw this lady. I worked in the Western Sizzling. This older black black lady had on a shirt that had the BMW logo, and it said, black man working. You get it? But she was a woman? Yeah. Well, why is she wearing a shirt that says she a man? I I mean, maybe her husband had a good job. Or just progressive ahead of her time. Totally. I mean, I'm sure that her husband had a good job and they drove a BMW. Yeah, I mean, that's fun, I guess. She's just wearing shirts with fun acronyms, I yeah. guess. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I guess that's fun. If you ever see those biker shirts where it has on the back, it says, if you can read this, the B fell off. You know, you get it, the B. If you can. You bitch. Yeah. Oh. Uh, if you can read this. If you can read bitch. Yes. If you can read this, the bitch fell off. Oh, I don't get it, but I understand that that's what it's doing. Yeah, if you're because if a man's riding on a motorcycle and you can read the back of his T-shirt, then this woman's not on there anymore. Yeah, I mean, I'm book smart, but I'm not really smart in any other way. Simple things like that, I don't, I can't picture it. I'm not good with optics. Well, work at the Western Sizzling a while, and mm-hmm. I worked there for a bit. I waited tables at a Western Sizzling for a long time. Oh, I was yeah. the only male waiter. And I was, for a while, I was the only one under 40 waiting tables. Mm, that's a formative experience right there. Yeah, the truckers loved it when they got me as a server. Why? They didn't. That's sarcasm. Because they wanted the woman to flirt with her. You know, they've been oh, on the road for a while. Yeah. Then some little little punk kid comes over with bleach blonde hair. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. How you guys doing tonight? You gonna get that steak? I'm just gonna get you waters and piss off. <laughs> yeah, like are you, they're not even servers at Weston Sizzling. I mean, it's everyone comes in for the buffet. Yeah, we just refill drinks and bring extra plates for the buffet. That's mainly what you do. Yeah, the big days are Sundays. That's, that's a weak job because there's no way waiters at Western Sizzling are making as much as normal waiters since they aren't doing as much. They're not even taking your order if, if people right. are just getting. The, but you're still getting two thirteen. You know what? I'm getting there. ahead of myself. I'm assuming that listeners know what a western sizzling is and mm. i know i certainly didn't know what a western sizzling was well, until dusty slay came well in let's my break life. it down it's like a golden corral without Again, all the class you can't use a golden corral <laughs> to describe a western it's like it's like saying like what does what mean well it's like what all not right. but all right all right here we go taking taking outback steakhouse and a chinese buffet and bring them together yeah, and strip it of all of its frills inside, <laughs> hospitality, and maybe just throw a couple dank odors in it as well. Make sure that carpet's from the 1980s and the wood has some kind of mold or whether it's painted on mold just for aesthetic. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, you know, that's just... Make it feel like your grandma's house in the late 80s. Exactly. That's how I feel when I'm in there. Yeah. You know? Plus just tons of fat people. Yeah. Eating there. They're actually used... Always to, fat. There used to be a thing on the buffet called Fat Back. And as far as I know, it was just fried pieces of fat. When I walk in a Western Sizzlin, I never feel more attractive. <laughs> I mean, people's heads are turning like, what's that princess doing in here? Well, they ain't never seen something like me before. Well, Western Sizzlin's a good place for a confidence boost. It is. It is. So was, um, what was that state we went to? Nebraska? Nebraska, yeah. That place was a confidence boost for me, too. Iowa, too. Oh, uh, yeah. I just feel like that people eat a lot of corn Not up the there. whole state, but the sp- specific cities. I've been to... Iowa City, which is like a college town, mm. got all those young girls with their perky breasts and whatnot, trying to upstage me. I'm not, yeah, and I think the people in Nebraska and Iowa look fine, but um, I like to think of Nebraska as the thigh of America. <laughs> that's that. That's actually the the metaphor I felt and came to my mind while I was there. I'm like this state is like the thigh of america i mean it's hardy it's strong it's durable you need it i went we were but it's not glamorous it it, it, you know no woman's just showing off her thighs we did stop in at omaha and have some some lunch and omaha felt a bit run down yeah it did it did and we we got some food and it was like you you know you love a good hearty meal you love to get all sloppy with your southern cooking, but you even said this is too much gravy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you're like this is too much gravy, and I swear, Lord, my witness, I ain't never heard Dusty say something like that. He ain't never complained about gravy. He ain't never complained about bread. He ain't never complained about butter or salt. But when when Dusty Slay says too much gravy, you better believe it was a that lot that of plate gravy turned into a stew of gravy. I got some, yeah, I got some roast beef and I got some mashed potatoes with gravy on both, and it was like a little soup on the plate. It was nasty. It was a lot, and it of was gravy, brown gravy, super brown. It was brown gravy, which you weren't used to, but that's the only gravy I knew. Well, I, yeah, I just not used to it that brown. You know what I mean? Mm, that that's was what gravy a, looked like, boy. It I'm was not, a weird. Once you cross that Mason Dixon line, that gravy turned brown. Yeah. It changes. This was no cracker cracker barrel gravy up in there. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, there's certain places you can go in America. I mean, if we have some lady listeners, which I believe we do, if you want to, I don't care what you look like. If you want a confidence boost, don't look in the mirror because I don't know what your state is. But <laughs> go to Western Sizzlin. Go to middle of Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no Western Sizzlin in the middle of Nebraska, though. That's no, not. No, I'm where. saying there's two different locations. Oh. Well, you can go to any Western Sizzlin location I'll, and feel good about yourself. Well, I want this but to be known, though, I that I like Western Sizzlin. Yeah, Dusty, we know you do. I enjoy it. Yeah, you I do. think they make a good steak and not an outrageous price. Well, it's not an amazing steak, but it's a good steak. Well, Western Sizzlin, aha. All these institutions, I bet, are going to be getting some pretty good business after this Waffle House shooting. Yeah, in, in Nashville, just the other day. Well, Nashville is where we live. For for a while, the shooter was at large. He was at large on the loose for days. But he's been caught now. He's been caught now. Apparently, he was involved in a high speed chase just not like a week ago. He stole a car from a place and then got away from the cops. God, people are inept. 
And then authority year, figures are in, like I know I'm in a year ago. He was arrested on the White House lawn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people are in it are inept. People How? are not on top of shit. I'm not on top of shit. So I'm not really mad at them. But people are like, how did this happen? I don't know. People are idiots. And it doesn't matter if you're a cop or a congressman or a politician or a or a, or a server. It's like people just frig up at their jobs and then deranged serial killers get their guns back and shoot up a Waffle House. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, if that's how things are happening, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just a lot of, like, sloppiness. It's It does seem like recently, for sure, that every person that's shooting, it's like, oh, they should have been stopped here. They should have been caught here. They should have been stopped here. I mean, to be fair, I'm sure there are people that are stopped. And we don't hear about them because they're not true. shooting people up. That is true. problem is, is a big country. We got 300 some million people in this country. It's a lot of people to keep track of. But one thing that I like that happened, and I don't know his name, but there was a guy that when the shooter stopped to unload, he attacked the guy and got the gun away from him, and yeah. then the guy ran off, which I think is great. I mean, we need some stuff like that to be happening, these school shootings. I mean, you know, it's scary, but it's like somebody, some teacher's got to put that dude down. Well, you I don't I mean? think the human instinct is to put yourself in the line of fire. I think it's fight or flight. Maybe and not. I think most people choose flight. And, and I, I don't think it's it's not a question of people aren't brave. It's survival instinct. It's an animal instinct. You're like, holy shit, someone's shooting a gun. Get down. Get away. I'm not trying to say people aren't brave. That's not at all what I'm saying. But to but. say we need more people to step up to the plate, it's like, well, no. I mean, people don't want to step up to the people. And even, if, even in my head, I'm like, I would like to think that if I was in a situation where I could help, I would help, but I don't know. I have no idea what I would be like in that situation. And, and very right. more this likely I'd be like, Oh shit, I'm terrified. I'm probably just going to freeze in my seat until right. I get shot. All right. Well, this is what I'll say that the people that do stop, it should really be applauded. They should really oh, be applauded absolutely. and they should really be, it should let it be known that you, I mean, because they always give the, the shooter all this TV time and he gets all this fame. The people that stop it should get a lot. I mean, well, you know, I always kind of weirdly felt safe in Tennessee that there wasn't going to be any kind of mass shooting simply because there's this is a wild state, a lawless state, and everybody here has guns. So if I was a serial killer and I wanted to go out shooting people, I wouldn't choose a state like Tennessee because the likelihood of someone having a gun in a Waffle House is is high. There's a lot of people it's with true. guns. And it's true. You know, but I guess at this particular Waffle House, there was no guns. I mean, people say, well, Waffle House is not a gun zone. Look, this is Tennessee. Everywhere is a gun zone. Like, unless you're in a government building. I mean, unless you're getting shaked down before you go in somewhere, you can, people have guns strapped to them. We assume. Yeah. I mean, so you, I kind of was like, oh, people aren't going to go crazy in Texas. I mean, although they have, I mean, you know, but that's at a church, you know, but, but again, that guy got shot down by dudes with guns. Yeah. You know, so, totally. but I don't know. But. That happened, and now he's caught. Yeah, I'm thankfully. happy he's caught. Yeah, he was at large. Like, both of our podcasts we tried to record earlier today, he was still at large. What was the situation? How did he get found? I don't know. You just, you just read the I read it. He's dusty. <laughs> you have no curiosity to follow up where he was found. For all, nah, he, for all we know, he could have been found in our, in our apartment building. Nah, I read some tweets. Oh, okay, well, caught. that's got to answer it then. He you can always caught. trust tweets. Yeah. Couple of them. I read a couple of them to confirm. I didn't just oh, go thank off you. of one. Thanks. You did your research. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He caught him. Yeah. Good. Good. Multiple sources confirmed on Dusty Slay's Twitter followers. <laughs> what was that? A couple open micers and a few buddies from high school. Oh, Brian Bates had a great joke about Antioch. I'm going to pull. Oh, did you see it? Yeah. I'm going to read it out. 
because I think it's funny. So I just want Brian Bates, comedian at large. Yeah, Brian Bates is uh, Brian Bates is very funny. He and, is very uh, funny. Yeah, he's very funny. Oh, I, I just saw that George H. W. Bush is in the hospital now. Mm. Oh man. He's pretty old, though, so that's not shocking. Yeah. It says, uh, no one... Uh, this is from Brian Bates. Brian, at Brian Bates Comic on Twitter. It says, no one wants to claim Antioch until there's a manhunt, then everyone lives right next door. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea all my friends lived in Antioch until they're like, oh, shit, I was going to go to that Waffle House. That's crazy. I'm like, were you? Oh. Were you really going to go to that Waffle House in Antioch? I didn't know any of my friends lived in Antioch. Not that I know anything about Antioch, but I just, I assume most of my friends live here. Well, and just to, we shared, it's confusing for us because we've recorded a couple of podcasts, so it's kind of like, what have we shared? But there when Hannah's dad first came down, the first time he came to visit us, he stayed in a hotel next to a Waffle House because we like to put our families near great restaurants. You know, we want – it's it's a lot of it's about the ambiance. Yeah, we put my dad in a hotel right off the interstate ramp near a newly renovated Waffle House, actually. And it was pretty was, upscale. He was in between a newly renovated Waffle House and the police station. Yeah. And yeah, actually, that's a detail we didn't share. Yeah, and we picked him up. We came to pick him up one morning, and there was all these cops out there, and the Yellow Waffle tape. House was roped off. And I was scared. I was like, "Oh my god! Like, what happened?" Turns out, shooting at the Waffle House, and someone was murdered, and that person drove away. Not the murdered person. The person that murdered. The person that murdered them drove yeah. away. And as far as we know, never got caught. And 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 again, it, it was pretty pretty risque because that Waffle House is literally beside a police station. And yeah. He still got away and has never been captured. And while I was trying to research whether someone got caught for that, I found a report that a year earlier someone had been shot in Tennessee in a Waffle House. Yeah. But I love a Waffle House. I'll still eat there. I love a Waffle House, too. I mean, Waffle House is one of those places that lives up to the cliches, lives up to the stereotypes. It does. I mean, you're going to get some normal uh, cli- uh, people working there, but you're going to get some real thick southern accents. You're going to get some women when you look in their eyes. You're like, this woman has a story to tell. Yeah. She probably has got kids that she that she doesn't talk to anymore. She probably is going to AA at night. A lot of lessons but learned. But still has a twinkle in her eye. Still loves to tell you all about. Like, yeah. loves to laugh with you. I, I mean, the Waffle House has this, like, you know, I don't know what the interview process is, but it's sort of like, hey, has your soul been broken five times? <laughs> you can work here because I still see that you have joy and hope in your in your head. Yeah. Jeff Fox it's a beautiful they, thing. Jeff Foxworthy had a great joke. He said, if you've been fired from the Waffle House due to your appearance... You might be a redneck, right? Yeah. Boom. Jeff Fox. All right. Uh, when I... Uh, you do love the Waffle House. I do love... When I first, when I was working as a pesticide salesman in South Carolina, this the guy also selling pesticides who was the competitor was from New Jersey. And he was like, i never been to a Waffle House. And I was like, well, we got to go. And I took him, got him in my car. We took him to the Waffle House. We walk in. And we're like, hey, they're like, you know, they're like, welcome to Waffle House. And we're like, hey, how's everything going? And the lady, the waitress says, uh, well, I'm doing, I'd be doing better if people, no, she said, I'm tired and I need a cigarette, but people keep coming in here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like that. And then, uh, I like that. And then at the end of the meal, uh, a roach, uh, somehow climbed up the back of the booth and around on my shoulder I flipped it off onto the table 
and then we left. Yeah, I mean, there's been several times when I have interacted with some Waffle House waitresses, and I've known in my heart that they're better people than me. Yeah. Because of the unspoken things that they must have endured, and just the way that they're able to enjoy working at the Waffle House. I mean, I worked at Red Lobster for a year, and I mean, it was the most depressed I've ever been in my life. Mm -hmm. I couldn't handle it. I saw a guy in the Western Citizen we were just in. He was balding most of the way, and he had a hairnet that came across the front of his forehead. So it, from the front, it looked like he was just wearing a hairnet. He mm. barely had hair in the back. If Picasso were alive today, <laughs> yeah, that would be his muse. Yeah. It's like his hair was falling out really fast, and they were like, put that net on there. Keep, keep, that, <laughs> keep that in there. You know what I mean? Or maybe it was just a dignified thing. He's like, I respect my clientele. Well, you know, the I don't want any one little hair falling up in here. Part of being funny is is not thinking sensibly. Oh, thanks. Please run me through the tenets <laughs> of comedy. I'm sure the listeners are thinking, you know, when is Dusty going to break down comedy to his wife? When is he going to decide to really take I'm this saying, podcast we, to the next level you know, and explain to his female comedian wife? How comedy works. All right, all right. Take it easy. I feel like that we can... Why don't you go ahead and tell me to just calm down and just make it a roundabout. (laughs) Let's go back to podcast one. This is what recording three episodes of the same podcast with your wife does, you know? I don't care. I get wild on the third podcast. I just released a new YouTube video called Top 5 Country Songs About Good Old Boys. It's on YouTube. It's a hot track. I mm-hmm. got some, some sneak attacks in there. and Sneak uh, attacks. Yeah, you go in and uh might be some surprises. Huh. So check that out. If well, you like country music, check that out. Well, I like that, Dusty, because as I have said before... I think of Dusty as a 70-year-old man trapped in a 35-year-old man's body. He's got a very old nature to him. He's got a very old demeanor. Even though I do cuss a little bit, I don't really cuss around Dusty because I know he doesn't care for it. Well, you know, we try to keep it clean around here. We do try to keep it clean. Sometimes with my voice, I think I surprise people at drive-thru windows. You know, like they, (laughs) I order and then I pull up and they're like, oh... Yeah. That wasn't what we were expecting. I don't know if that reaction is good or bad, mm-hmm. but they're like, ooh, that guy's been through a lot. You certainly have a delightful, delightful voice. Thank you. I mean, we did long distance for the first year of our relationship or so. Yeah. I mean, not a whole year, but almost a year. Yeah. We started our relationship doing long distance, so our whole relationship was predicated on talking on the phone every day. Yeah. And that kept me kept me through. Yeah. That kept the love alive. Yeah. And if you had some squeaky, pale-ass Canadian accent. Wouldn't have made it, you know. Well, I needed that southern dusty. Well, that's hi there, Hannah. Well, let's talk about this. Hi there. We just had. Right. We just this past week we just did the Broken Record Comedy Show here in Nashville, mm. the fourth year I believe it is. Mm. Uh, that's where Nashville Comedy uh, does the Guinness Book World Record longest comedy show, consecutive comedy show, twenty four hours a day for. Eight days, which is an impossible show to watch. And 
because you go and you watch, you watch, you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to go watch my friend. And then they perform for 30 minutes. And then the next person comes on. You're like, wow, I like them. I'm going to stick around. And then you stick around for the next, before you know it, you've been in there three hours. And then you realize someone was there when your set was on. So you're like, you feel obliged to watch them because they watched you. Right. But it's a great opportunity for stage time, especially if you're a new comic, you know, really get some stage time. Or an old shitty one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, I did a couple of sets and I had a great time. Chad Ryden, DJ Buckley. Uh, they do a great job uh, running that. They do. They there do. was a lot of other people involved. and uh, A lot of volunteers. A lot of volunteers. Which we've been reminded through Nashville Drama to thank and be thankful There was for. a bit of drama. If you're, if you're a member of DeBake on Facebook, that's D-A and then B-A-K-E, DeBake. Uh, it's by comedian DeHerm, and it's very funny. It's about roasting. About roasting. He's changed the, he's changed the cinnamon to bacon. It's called mm-hmm. bacon. If you're roasting, you're bacon. Yeah. So if you're if you're into that, go check that out. There was a bit of drama, nothing too crazy. You need a little bit of drama, though. Yeah, I think this year could have used a bit more drama. Mm-hmm. I think that the excitement for it has worn off a bit, and I think there needs to be a new challenge. That I I just I don't know I don't know what it is, but it's a good a lot of good stage time. I think it just needs more Dusty Slay in it. Yeah, maybe so. Need some more of that Dusty Slay. Maybe I need to go and do like a three-hour set. Yeah, I think that's what it needs. That's what it needs. Yeah, it was fun. It's a good time. I think it's a good time for the community. All the comedians get to hang out together. And you get to watch. You get to watch your friends do comedy, but you don't really feel that pressure to laugh because you realize no one's really laughing. Right. So you can kind of just sit there and enjoy it and give them the laughs that they really deserve. And you really get to work as a comedian, you get to work things out where you yeah. get, and you don't have to, like I would say before every set, which is something I would never say at a regular comedy show, but I would say, Hey, I know a lot of you have been in here for hours. Don't feel obligated to laugh. I'm not going to feel weird if you're not laughing. And I just go up there and talk. How'd it go for you doing that? It was great. Oh, okay. It helped me a lot because I feel like, uh, what happens a lot of times in there is that you go on stage and the audience is too tired to laugh. So you go out there with one of your best jokes and then they barely laugh. And then you're immediately, your confidence is shaking. You're like, Oh, great. Yeah. But if you just go in there with this attitude, like this is probably not going to be that good, but I'm going to give it, you know, yeah. 85%. I'm always <laughs> trying. Yeah. I'm always trying to straddle the line of, being professional, doing my jokes, performing my jokes, but not trying so hard yeah. to win the audience mm-hmm. over. Because I feel like that can come across as trying too hard and also not connecting with the mm-hmm. audience. Like it, to me, it's very important to try to have some sort of connection established early on. Because if you can connect early on, your work's, well, your work's cut out for you. If right. they like you within the first three minutes, it's your set to bomb. Basically, right. like you have them, you just need to keep them. So just tell your jokes, stay engaged, don't say anything weird offhand, and you're probably going to do well. But you know that doesn't always it doesn't always happen like that. Yeah, I mean each audience is different from audience to audience, and then you got different spots you come in at a show, and you don't know where the audience is at. And uh, yeah, it could be a real challenge every show. But that's why I like to start with I start with you know I got a couple of jokes I like to open with uh, depending on the show, but. I feel comfortable with them. I feel like I can get laughs quick, and then that can set me up to roll into some stuff. Yeah. See, a lot of people, like, I don't know, used to think, oh, you should start with a good joke to catch their attention. I'm kind of like, 
I want to start with a good enough joke, but I don't want to lead with my best jokes because they need to get used to hearing me. They need to get used to what, how I talk, what I'm about. I like to try to hit hard with a joke right away. I like to, I like to give them a fast, quick joke, but I'm not, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like I like to be like, okay, this is my rhythm and this is how I talk. And then like within a minute or two, I mean, certainly if you're only doing like five or seven minutes, you got to get into it. But like for 30 minutes, I don't feel like I need to like force them into my stratosphere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that you can, you know, try to ride the wave if the comic before you did a really good job, or Mm -hmm. you can try to settle the audience back down to your energy. Cause Mm -hmm. I'm a little slow energy, but you know, I don't know how to navigate all that. How are we doing on time? Where are we at? We have 35 minutes. Great. We got, um, you're going to be at the Comedy Caravan this weekend yeah, in I'm Louisville. Yeah, in Louisville, Kentucky this weekend. Yep, so you're going to be there Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Do you know who you're with? Yeah, come on out. Uh, I do, but I don't remember. It's okay. on my phone somewhere. But if you're in Louisville, go check the show out. Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. And I'll be in Atlanta Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, various locations, but I'll have them on my website. Yeah. They're actually on my Twitter, too, if you, if you don't go there, but... Um, and um, we have um, – oh, we uh, watched this uh, YouTube video today, uh, and I don't know if you've seen it. It's nothing to do with me but it's uh, – or Hannah, but it's uh, about how uh, in The Karate Kid that Daniel is the real bully. Very funny. Uh, I recommend going and checking that out. Very funny. Just laugh. It's a yeah. good time. Or if you're on a social media hiatus like me. Yes. I'm not on a real social media hiatus. I'm on as much of a hiatus or a detox as I can be without neglecting my obligations for comedy and whatever social media content output. You know, I'm still putting out podcasts. I'm still... The only the only social media that I like is Twitter because I just kind of like reading headlines, headlines, jokes, and I also at times like sharing my my hilarious jokes on the Twitter. And but even that, it's like I very quickly overdose on that and need to step away. Yeah, it's endless. That's the problem with all of it. That mm-hmm. you can scroll forever. The scroll never ends. And I feel like it makes me cranky mm-hmm. if I'm on the internet too long. Like even I if agree. I just spend like an hour or two looking at screens, it's like I just feel like vapid. I just feel like I'm just ugh. What am I doing with my life? Know. You know what I mean? Like they, they'll say you'll look back in your life and like a quarter of it you spent sleeping. Like for sure our generation is going to look back at their life and be like a quarter of it was spent online. And that's the, like doing what? Really what were we doing? We were looking at something. We were, we were staring in, at screens. And getting enraged more likely. Like some people like, – like maybe 20% of what I do online is legitimately fun and frivolous and like engaging. The rest of it is just getting upset about something or learning new catchphrases to apply in everyday conversations and claim as my own. Like, that's what the internet is for me. It's like, ooh, like today I read something called pop feminism. I'm like, ooh, pop feminism? That's fun. I'm definitely going to use that to somehow sh- throw shade on feminism in conversations. Oh, let's talk about this. I found out that uh, uh, someone in my family, a younger person, is really into K-pop. Oh, yeah. Which is Korean pop music. Yeah, your niece, who's like, what, 15, 16 years old? She's 16, yeah. She's into K-pop, which yeah. is, is, is we, we realize, though... 
K-pop is no different than like the, the right. pop that I grew up on, which is like Backstreet Boys and yeah. Sync. So we went through and watched videos, YouTube videos of older bands like that, and it is all the same stuff, just a new. But just little Korean kids, yeah, like we, boys, teenagers. We went back and watched Blondie uh, rapping on a show on a, on a video called Rapture. Yeah, uh, the the rap was terrible, but really fun to watch. I watched it twice in a row. Yeah, it was the first. I think it was the first like rap on a video. I might be wrong, but I feel like I know that. She, well, she didn't. Oh, she certainly didn't invent rap. Right. I know that it came out of New York City in the late seventies and eighties. Then we watched Grandmaster Flash. What was that song? Um, I don't know. I don't know, but it was good. I liked it yeah. a lot. There was a nice video. Yeah. So we went back, we looked at it, we looked at Poison, David Lee Roth, all those guys, and it's all... Been... Maybe that's why I'm in a bad mood, because I've just been watching the internet all week, or all day. Maybe. I'm, I don't know. Maybe. Or, yeah. I mean, I don't know. But yeah, K-pop's real weird. It's real weird to think of, like, what young teenage girls are into, and they're into, like, effeminate... Right. Korean kids with makeup on. I thought that it's just that lyrical content had gotten so bad that it's better if you just can't understand what they're saying. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely what it is. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you realize it sounds the same, although it's just slightly indistinguishable lyrics. Like you right. can't even tell that it's Korean. The way that it's produced, the way the music's produced, you're like, I don't know what they're saying, but I can't tell that it's not English. It just right. sounds like the techno beats are too loud to decipher the words they're saying. Yeah. But I always kind of always had that problem with music anyways. Like, a lot, like you're really good at being able to like sing the actual lyrics to a song. Whereas like, I don't know lyrics to songs that I love just because I'm like, did he say son or did he say sign? Like yeah. I'm never following the storylines. And then we watched uh, the Take On Me video. Which I thought was pretty interesting because we talked about it after. Like, what's uh, what's that story like when you tell people how you met, right? Because this is what's happening in the video. The girl is reading a magazine in a restaurant, and then the magazine starts to come to life. And then the magazine reaches a hand out. She grabs the hand and now is in the magazine. Yeah. She's in there hanging out with this new guy she met looking in this weird mirror. Mirror, right? And uh, the... Uh, uh, and then the waitress crumples up the newspaper because she thinks she got stiffed by this lady. So she throws the magazine in the trash. And then these weird, like, plumber guys come after them inside the magazine and break the mirror. And then uh, she wakes up, the girl wakes up at home. And then the guy appears in her hallway and, like, he's, like, changing back and forth to drawing to real person from drawing to real person. Then he collapses as a real person on the floor. Imagine telling someone that's how you met. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I It'd mean? It would be way better if we could have a video podcast and just show them the video. Because I don't think describing YouTube videos is... Well, it's the video it's Take, the best take On Me. Uh, and it's great. Yeah, just say, check out Take On Me. Aha. Uh-huh. I think it was Aha. Uh-huh. Something like that, yeah. Well, yeah, people just know doesn't... the video. Yeah, but I just think it doesn't... Like, if you're describing the video, they don't... They don't know what you're saying. Yeah, that's true. But they don't. Not to rain on your YouTube video. Well, because I know you watch a lot of YouTube videos, and that's one of the things we wanted to do in this podcast was talk about your YouTube videos. So yeah, I guess we've just done that, and I just shit all I, over it because I'm a sour. I think people. Sour puss. Yeah, I think people know the video, and if they don't, go watch it and just think about what I said. And then re-listen to this segment. All of the you podcast. have to do is watch the video and then think. 
how would that couple tell people how they met when they're out? How'd you, so how'd you guys meet? Oh, I was in a restaurant one day reading a magazine and then I went inside of the magazine <laughs> and then the cartoon drawing that I met inside there, he came out and that's jam. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? We had kids and they are half drawing, half human. Mm-hmm. A lot of discrimination at school. Yeah. yeah. A lot yeah. of issues. Oh, the kids are like, erase him, erase him. <laughs> yeah. So, and then we watched Die Hard 2 recently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which it seems like the very next Christmas, uh, he got involved in some stuff. And we got, we got all the Die Hard. So we're going to try to, we're going to try to watch that. We're going to do an episode dedicated to Die Hard. Right. After. We do one devoted to Rocky. Yeah. We, we watch, we don't actually watch that many movies, but when we come home from the road, both of us come home from our respective weekends in the road. We reconvene with each other and we say, hi, husband. Hi, wife. Great to see you again. And we're like, let's get some dinner and let's cuddle up on a couch and let's watch some fun slash cheesy movies. And we like to watch cheesy movies like that. That way we can make jokes throughout. Yeah. Because we don't we don't want to have to be completely engrossed in it because then we can't spend time together. I really like watching old movies that I've already seen. I actually yeah. have no interest in it, any new TV shows or movies. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm not just saying that. I, I literally... I don't either. I don't watch things that are new and relevant. I like watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, the Rocky movies, Die Hard. I like watching things I've already seen. I like to think about like how different the fashion and technology was. Yeah. I just basically movies like to the, hide in nostalgia. Movies from the 90s are the best. What, what I found great about... Uh, Die Hard 2 was that they kept making references to how good technology was in the 90s. They kept saying, Welcome to the 90s. Get mm-hmm. with the, but what he's wearing the a fax machine. Yeah, he's wearing a pager. There's a fax machine. There's a, and f- all of the plot could have been averted if they just had cell phones. Yeah. And, or if they would just listen to, uh, Bruce Willis's character. No one ever listens to him. Yeah, but he's an asshole. Yeah, but he's got the right answers. But they don't know that. He just keeps ending up right. Yeah. Look, if I was an airport worker in Die Hard 2 and Bruce Willis kind of walks in and like, oh, I'm an LAPD. Yeah, I don't care, dude. Like, you're in Washington right now. Oh, you're the Nagasaki guy that took down the Nagasaki terrorists? Oh, sure. Cool, dude. You think you can just walk into my department and tell me how to live? And I- then Bruce Willis always has some weird-ass one-liner being like, yeah, dude, like... Like he's just—he's a dick. I mean, he's I, but a this dick. is what I think, though. If you—if you're involved in a terrorist type situation, and then you're like, "Oh, the guy who solved the last big terrorist thing just happens to be here." He could have been a one-hit wonder. Yeah, but it's like at least let's give this guy a try. Yeah, I mean, his name is at the top of the credits. I mean, someone should have told those other actors. <laughs> you know, this is the. I saw in the credits of Die Hard 2 that Bruce Willis had his own, like, hair and makeup guy. Maybe that's normal for Hollywood stars, but they're yeah, like, Mr. Big, Willis's makeup. And, yeah, he's big time. Yeah, but at that point, that would have been, like, his his follow-up to Die Hard, which was, I think, his big break, was it not? Die Hard was huge, yeah. Yeah. Then he did Look Who's Talking. He did The Voice for a Baby. I don't know. I've just heard from, I don't even know from who, but people have told me that Bruce Willis is a dick in well, my life. he's been, you know. So I hold it against him. But he's been, you know, he's been a star for a long time. I imagine that it's hard to stay grounded. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to stay grounded, and I definitely live in a real, real world. Well, 
I've had a great time with this. I feel like that the third time was a charm. Do you think it was? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how interesting it is to people what we're talking about, <laughs> but uh, but the point is that we want to just kind of kind of this is you know we just want to talk about where we're going, where we've been, we're having a great time. Um, and we hope that you'll check us out. Check out our website. Mine's DustySlay.com. Hannah's is uh, HannahHoganComedy.com. We're on social medias. Uh, Dusty Slay, Miss Hannah Hogan. Check us out. Yeah. And, uh, and let me just say, Dusty's perpetually charming and lovely gentleman, and I'm a bit of a uh, up-and-down person. So We're having a great time. You're going to get. We're having a great time. Uh, the first two were very energetic and very excited and now it's been a long day, but we wanted to get it recorded cause I have to leave tomorrow. Again, this is the third recording in one day of the same subjects that you've just heard. So I think we actually, you know, we really, I mean, if we were a comedy sitcom writer and team trying to hammer out an episode, I think we really would have found all the jokes for, you know, Jacksonville, broken record, comedy caravan, Hannah's social media hiatus. Well, the thing about it is this Waffle is Waffle House shooting. I think is, we found all the jokes in all these. This is our third podcast and it took us three times to record it. So mm-hmm. literally third time's a charm. Yep. So thanks for tuning in and uh, see you next week.